Um, now, I'm going to use this to control it today. So um, I thought I'd tell you that. First off, I need to make sure that it works. Yep, that's okay. Secondly, I thought I'd just tell you, just in case you thought I was, you know, checking Twitter or something while I was talking. Um, so, I am looking at Joy, and in good news for those of you who would rather watch TV than listen to someone talk for, I don't know, 40 or 50 minutes, and um, we're going to bookend the talk today with a couple of videos. The first is of my daughter, um, uh, Seren, who is three, and she... There she is. Uh, you will have seen her running back and forth across the front of the service about 16 times this morning and 16 times every other morning. Um, she is in the nursery class at Oasis Academy Johanna, which is the primary school that we run uh, just around the corner. She started last January, and this video was taken on the first day of school in September this year. She loves going to school. I have absolutely no idea where she got it from. It must be her mother, but she really loves it. Throughout the whole of the summer, Every now and again, she'd wake up in the morning, she'd go, is it school day? And we'd say, no, it's the summer holidays, we're doing exciting things, we're going to go all these exciting places. Okay. So, school day finally came, we got up in the morning, as we always do, I got her clothes up, but today I got her clothes up, and it was her school uniform. She was pretty excited about this. She looked at her new cardigan, she went, I'm excited to go to school! And we went, yeah, we get that, it's alright, you've only been saying it for six weeks. We had breakfast. In the middle of breakfast, apropos of nothing, she said, I'm excited to see Jem's new school shoes. It was one of her friends who goes to, ch- goes to church here and goes to school. Um, so this was saying on that morning. We had to go to drop Nia off first, our younger daughter at nursery. Um, and this is what she did all the way to nursery and back. <laughs> all the way there and all the way back to school. That's what she did (laughs) all the way along. Um, Kids are often a great example of joy, aren't they? And I mean, I I really don't want to become this guy. Um, But one more story. Um, We went to Peppa Pig World in the summer. That was one of the fun things that we did. Now, if you'd said to me a couple of years ago that the highlight of my summer would have been going to Peppa Pig World, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But it turns out taking a three-year-old to Peppa Pig World is actually a great thing that you can do. This is Sarah again. And they're hugging an unsuspecting daddy pig. Um, so Peppa Pig World is in a, a bigger theme park somewhere near Southampton. My sister lives in Southampton. And so we went down to stay with her for a few days. And uh, we didn't tell Saren that we were going because we thought she'd probably combust and certainly wouldn't sleep for the three days that we were there before we went. But as we were driving into Southampton on the first day, there's a massive billboard for Peppa Pig World. Now, fortunately, she can't read yet, so she didn't know what it was. But she said, ah, it's Peppa Pig in the car. Now, she'd seen the billboard before I had which probably says a bit about my driving I don't know but um, being the mean dad that I am I just said oh, I, wonder, I wonder what that's all about that's, that's a bit odd isn't it and then carried on driving so over the course of the next couple of days we saw quite a lot of ads for Peppa Pig World turns out there's a load of billboards throughout the city and every time we'd go past them I'd go hey look Sarah there's a there's another, another picture of Peppa Pig there. I, I wonder what that's all about. So the day finally came. We drove, and then as we pulled into the car park, we explained that we were going to Peppa Pig World. And she was as excited as you'd imagine she would be. But you get into the theme park. You've got to walk 10 minutes through the car park to actually get in. Then you've got to walk 10 minutes through the theme park to get to Peppa Pig World. And finally, we turned the corner, and there it was, 50 yards ahead of us. Welcome to Peppa Pig World. She looked at it, and she went, <gasps> 
like that. The best approximation of the noise that she made. And she looked at me and she went, Daddy, let's run. And so we did. And we sprinted the 50 yards into Peppa Pig World. And it was genuinely one of the most joyful experiences of my life. But we got in there and she just didn't know where to do what to do. You know, she's just looking around like this. And I said, what do you want to go on first? And she said, the boats! And so we ran off at 100 mile an hour again to get to the boats. And the thing is, when we got to the queue for the boats, I mean, you know, it's it's a terrible ride, really, isn't it? Let's be honest. You know, what happens is it's a really small boat. You sit in it. It goes around a really small loop really slowly, twice, and that's it. You get off again. But while we were in this queue, I looked around at Louise, and I looked around at my sister, and I just realized that we were all grinning hugely. Because that kind of joy, it's hugely infectious, isn't it? We'll come back to that later. Um, One more example. This is not my child. This is somebody else's. Um, I don't even know this boy's name, but when he was asked what he wanted to be when he grew up, he said, I want to be a postman so I can let people know when it's their birthday. (laughs) Um, Anyway, enough stories about kids. Let's look at the Bible. Uh, The fruits of the Spirit are joy and some other things that we're not going to bother talking about this morning. Uh, What's the background to this? Well, it all starts in Acts chapter 15 verse 1, which says, certain people came from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Um, Paul, one of the early church leaders, disagrees with this and he gets into an argument with them. Um, It seems that these same certain people had made their way down to the region of Galatia and they were teaching the same stuff there. So part of the reason that Paul writes this letter to the church in Galatia, which we now know as Galatians, is to counter these. Um, As an aside, the group of people who Paul is writing against became known as the circumcisionists because of their commitment to the circumcising cause. Um, Isn't it great that a couple of thousand years later we've moved on from all this and we no longer have groups in Christianity that instead of working to bring in the kingdom of God uh, focus on one non-central part of doctrine supported by a specific interpretation of a few verses and ignore everything else to the contrary. Um... Anyway, so there are two sides to this battle. Uh, In the blue corner, we have the circumcisionists who are arguing for legalism, arguing that the new followers of Jesus should stick to the Judaic law. In the red corner, we have Paul who vehemently argues for grace, for love, for freedom, and for joy. And it's in this context that he writes his Fruits of the Spirit, his list of virtues by which Christians, followers of Jesus, should live. For Paul... Christian life is a life of joyful freedom, since with the coming of Christ, law has been superseded by grace. I read that there are 326 occurrences of words for joy in the New Testament, and 133 of these are written in the 10 letters ascribed to Paul. That's 40% of the verses about joy written by one man. So we know that the most important leader in the early church thinks that joy is important. We know, don't we, that being joyful is important. But what happens when, for whatever reason, that joy just isn't there? What do we do when joy seems a long way away? 
There are obvious big things that can cause us to feel like that. Things like bereavement or illness or the breakdown of a relationship, that kind of thing. But it doesn't even need to be that serious, does it? I've mentioned here before that a few years ago I had a pretty awful job working for a currency exchange company. And really, if you wanted a physical example of a lack of joy, you genuinely would just need to stand in the middle of that office and look around for a bit. Um, But in the six months that I was there as their marketing manager... Um, when I look back at it now, I realize that one of the things that, uh, when I worked there, one of the things that really impacted me was the fact that I had a real lack of joy in my life. I felt drained of joy. I worked there at the time that Saren was born. No paid paternity leave, obviously. Had to take annual leave, that kind of thing. Um, But Louise was on maternity leave for a lot of the time that I was there. And every morning I would leave the flat. And as I walked out of the door, I'd say goodbye. And Louise would say, have a good day. And I'd shout back, I won't. And unfortunately, most days I actually was right. But here's the thing. It wasn't just the 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. Monday to Friday thing that was the problem. The problem was that, if I'm honest, it was draining the joy out of basically everything else that I did the rest of the week was impacted by it as well. I don't know if you've ever come across the songs of praise feeling, which is the pit of your stomach dread that you get on a Sunday evening when you hear the theme team to songs of praise and you realize that the weekend is about to end and you've got to go back to work in a few hours. But I had that for six months. And I spent a lot of the Sunday morning services in church, if I'm honest, thinking, why what is going on? Why have I ended up in this situation? So Sunday evenings and Sunday mornings were impacted. And most evenings were impacted as well because I'd come home and I'd be tired. And I mean, also there was a newborn baby that wasn't sleeping, which probably didn't help either. But the, this feeling of my life being drained of joy kind of impacted the whole week. And I think, obviously, this happens to all of us, doesn't it? And, and the point of using that example is that we know that the big things, we know the bereavements and the breakdown of relationships and all of those things, we know they will cause us a, a lack of joy on a big scale. But something as small as this, something as small as having a job that you don't like can have a massive impact, can't it? And here's a funny thing. Sometimes it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I don't know if any of you listen to uh, Rob Bell's podcast, but he does a story there about a time in his life where um, he was really busy trying to write books and do these Numa DVDs and run a church and preach on Sundays and all this kind of stuff. And one evening, a mate of his asked him to come to a charity fundraiser that he was running. His mate set up this charity and ran this charity. And Rob Bell says it was a good thing. It's a great charity, doing great work. This fundraiser was a great evening, a load of fun. But he said, here's the thing. He says he stopped in the middle of the evening and he thought, what am I doing here? I'm rushing from pillar to post. I haven't got time to write the book. I haven't got time to film these DVDs. I haven't got time to prepare for this sermon. I haven't got time to do all of this kind of stuff. And I haven't seen my wife properly in six weeks. And now, the one evening where we have a babysitter, we have the chance to go out and maybe just go to a quiet restaurant and have a meal or something, I am doing this where I'm basically not seeing her. And I'm trying to to talk about how wonderful this charity is and all that. And he says, it was a good thing. This charity was a good charity, but it was just another thing that for him was draining him of the small amount of energy that he had. He said, sometimes you've got to let go of the good if you want to do the great. The reason he wanted to take that night off was not just because he didn't want to be there. It was because it was taking his energy away from what was great. What was his thing? It wasn't that. And that's okay. 
I'm one of those people who can't say no to anything. If anyone asks me to do anything or get involved in anything, then I always say yes. And, and part of that is because I like doing stuff. I have a lot of interest in a lot of kind of different areas, and I enjoyed helping people and doing stuff. But then I'm also the kind of person who does all these things and gets to Friday night and is completely shattered and kind of wonders why. Sometimes, for me, maybe, to be more joyful, but also to be able to bring more joy to other people... Sometimes I need to say no to some things. So if we're in that position where we feel drained of joy, what can we do about it? I think sometimes when you're in that place, it's so difficult to to raise your head and see anything other than the problem that's directly in front of you. But I think if we can get our head up, I think there are two important lessons that we can learn. The first is what Paul encourages us to do in one of his other letters that Kessler read to us. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is hard, isn't it? It's one of those verses that you read and you think, yeah, of course. But actually, if you look at it, it's hard, isn't it? That's not an easy thing to do. So what I learned in looking at this verse when I was struggling with the work stuff is I think a, a good way of approaching it is to delight in the small things. So we know that the big picture is difficult. We know that the job isn't going well. We know that takes over a lot of our life. But if you can, delight in the small things. Um, as an aside, uh, when I was writing this, it, it reminded me of the speech that I gave when Louise and I got married. That um, when, or the night before the wedding, when I was, I mean, six months before the wedding, when I was preparing the, uh, the speech, <laughs> or the day after we got engaged, um, <laughs> we were, um, I was looking to find out what I should talk about. And so obviously, what's the first thing you do? You Google wedding groom speech, don't you? And all of these websites, and there are hundreds of them, it's insane. All of these websites say the same thing. You need to make sure that you thank the bridesmaid, you tell your wife that she looks pretty, you do all these kind of bits. And then the little bit of kind of content that you add in, they all say, think of an occasion when you did something hugely romantic, a massive grand gesture or something massive that you did, a huge holiday that you went on that you enjoyed together. And talk about that. And I sat down and I thought, oh, I've got a good one. I started writing this thing and I thought, no, that's, that's not it, actually. Because you don't get married to someone because of the one grand gesture or because of the one big thing that you did or the one big thing that she did. You get married to somebody because of the small things, don't you? So I wrote it all off and I started again. And I started writing about singing along to the radio, walking down, uh, driving on the motorway, and uh, screaming at the X Factor together on a Saturday night when we didn't go out, we had nothing better to do. And it's those things, isn't it? It's those things that actually are the reasons that you get married to someone, isn't it? Delight, take joy in the small things. And I think the second, probably more important thing to learn is that it is not all about us. I think when we think about joy, we can often think about it as being something internal. How am I feeling? Am I feeling joyful? Am I making myself feel better in this situation? But what about if we were more focused on what joy we could bring to others? When Steve gave his introduction to this series, he talked about Aristotle and how the fruits of the Spirit are in part written as a response to Aristotle's nine virtues. Um, 
And the interesting thing for me is if you look at Aristotle's virtues, they're all internally focused. They're all about character formation, which, you know, is a great thing in its own right. But the fruits of the Spirit, which are the basis of these nine habits that we're talking about, they look outwards. They're for the benefit of the community, for the upbuilding of the church and those beyond it. The obvious point here, I think, is that we should be looking to bring joy before we worry about being joyful. It's more important to live in a way that makes others joyful than it is to gain joy yourself. Um, somebody who typifies the idea of bringing joy to others is this it's Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Um, let's not forget that he is a black South African who grew up in the apartheid era. And so you'd think he has every right not to be particularly joyful. But it's remarkable, I think, how he refuses to let that define him, but instead lives out this message of hope, of love, and of joy. We're going to end soon, but before we do, we're just going to watch this film for a couple of minutes. I try to remind people fairly straightforward things that we easily forget. Yes, there is a lot of evil in the world, but there is also a lot of good. In fact, we are made for goodness, which is fantastic. I must have been maybe five or six. The thing that I really wanted to become was to be an adult. <laughs> what you said? What you said? Oops. <laughs> Wonderful entrance. <laughs> Desmond Tutu is someone the whole world respects. So the concept for the portrait was very simple. The world needs another Tutu. You are the 1984 winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. That's a kind of announcement that you think you hear in your dream, you see, and you... <laughs> and Leah and I sat there and sort of looked at each other. What is it? It's about 26. 26 years ago. Yes, it's about your age. <laughs> they speak about a Tutu legacy, which is, I suppose, standing up for justice, saying it is possible for enemies to become friends, reconciliation and peace, speaking up for those who are downtrodden, who are the marginalized. And I'd like you to do whatever you feel comfortable with. If you want to look horrified at the tutu, if you want to laugh at the tutu, whatever you feel comfortable with, because you are tutu. <laughs> There's nothing to see there. <laughs> the Archbishop got up on stage, he almost broke my tutu, he danced around the tutu, and then had all of us in fits of laughter. When they had the World Cup for the homeless, somebody took a picture of me kicking a ball. Nelson Mandela uh, said, they must tell me I must act my age. <laughs> if you do exactly what you're doing now, but look at me. Why? <laughs> we got a fantastic shot of the Archbishop. It really is like a magician pulling something out of a hat. The world needs another tutu, and I think nothing says it better than that. The world needs another tutu. That's what the premise of the whole film was about. That's what the filmmaker was talking about. Um, I almost wish that all of you could have taken turns at standing here and watching you watching that, because 
again, that idea of infectious joy that we talked about at the beginning, that we said we'd come back to at the end. The number of faces who are smiling, grinning throughout that entire thing. Um, the world needs another tutu. It's really easy and obvious to see why, isn't it? Just looking at that two minutes of video. It made me think, does the world need another Nathan Jones? Do I live my life in such a way that I inspire joy in others? Do I live my life in a way that I make people feel better about themselves for having spent time in my company? When people spend time with me, do they walk away feeling more joyful or less joyful? These are huge questions, aren't they? But I think they're questions that we need to answer. Does the world need another Nathan Jones? Does the world need another you? We're just going to finish there. I just wanted to leave that with you as a challenge to reflect on this week. How can you, by the way that you live your life, leave those around you feeling more joyful? Let's make it our aim this week, simply to bring more joy 